Two brothers, 12 years apart, a few states away, and one shared love for Houston Astros baseball. You're listening to the Stros Bros Podcast. What's up, Astros fans? My name is Jared Huntley. I am Brooks Huntley. And you are listening to the Stros Bros, a podcast dedicated to Houston Astros baseball by two lifelong Astros fans who also happen to be brothers. Well, what's going on, man? Um, it's been a while since we last talked. Uh, I think the last time we talked, the Astros were not off to a very hot start, kind of below 500. Things have definitely been better since then, I would say, uh, absent these last two games against the Phillies that haven't been the greatest. But overall, I mean, they're starting to look more like the Astros that we know and love. Yeah. What are your overall impressions? Yeah, I think it's exactly the way that things tend to go for this team is we start off slow in general, and then little by little we start to play exceptionally great baseball against really, really, really good teams, and then we look like a AAA team when we play teams that might as well be AAA teams. Um, And that's just the Astros brand of baseball. We can't beat the Tigers. We can barely uh, scrap by with with a win against the Pirates, who are actually a shockingly good team this year. Yeah, parts are good this year. But then we, you know, we play really good baseball against the Rays and we play really good baseball the against the Braves. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fun. The Phillies, kind of, the Phillies started off like really bad this year too. They've really turned it on lately. They're playing really good baseball. So, you know, they'll be as of we're recording this Sunday afternoon. So they play tonight at six o'clock. So we'll be trying to avoid the sweep yep. uh, against the Phillies. But they're, you know, Nola and Wheeler were dealing uh, last two days. So all yeah, made all of our hitters look like Maldonado. <laughs> and uh it's funny, I was telling my, my girlfriend Bridget, we she's I finally got her into to the Astros baseball world. We went and saw the Braves. Uh we saw that that securing of the sweep uh last Sunday, and uh that kind of officially nice. sealed the deal that she's gonna be uh, an honorary Astros fan from now on. So that's good. Um that's great. I was telling her about another one converted the quintessential, you know, Astros killers. And uh, we were talking about guys like that. And, and one of those that's really been irritating me all over again this weekend has been Nick Castellanos, who looks like a gold glover only when he plays the Astros. And it's pretty remarkable to watch Nick Castellanos only play a good defensive right field when he's playing the Astros. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a sense in which like players from other teams seem to like really get up for playing the Astros. It's almost yeah. like, which, you know, I feel like we should take that as like a sign of respect and, uh, you know, honor because just the fact that they care so much. Like I was watching that game yesterday and I don't I don't even know who this guy Jake Cave is, but he was super pumped up every time he got a base hit. He got a couple of hits and he was like stoked like he was like just, you know, won the World yep. Series or something. So I was like, good for you, Jake. It was one of the very, very few times I've ever seen a player on the field that I've like literally never, ever heard of. And I was like, who is Jake Cave? I've never heard of this <laughs> in my life. Yeah, man, it's it's been interesting to watch this series play out. Uh, Javier just didn't look like he had his best stuff yesterday to me, um, especially after that home run. He gave up that home run and the upward movement on his fastball, which is really what makes him special. It just kind of disappeared and his breaking stuff was just hanging too long. Uh, he lost his command big time. Just he got rocked and and he wasn't able to fully really recover after that big home run. Yeah, I, it seems like he, you know, 
hasn't been himself yet this year. Like, I don't really feel like we've seen the Christian Javier that we've grown accustomed to seeing yet. Um, it, and it's a little concerning because it does seem like his fastball's been getting hit uh, pretty good, like all year this year. I, I didn't have time to look up any of the, you know, advanced statistics or anything like that. I'm sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure if we did, we'd find that the batting average and the uh, exit velocity on his fastball is probably a good bit higher this year than it has been in years past. Yeah. I did see a stat yesterday though, that was still encouraging. I, I think they showed it on the broadcast uh, that I, it's a stat I'd never heard of, but it's, I'm really liking these average like plus stats that they're starting to to use as kind of the effectiveness of players. And it was like, I think it was whiff plus is what they were talking about. And he has like a 162 whiff plus, which means I guess he's getting 62% more swings and misses than, uh, than the average pitcher in the game on his fastball, uh, which is still pretty encouraging, I would say. It just is the eye test. I think as an Astros fan, we've seen like this really dominant Christian Javier the last few seasons. And now that he's consistently starting, it just, you know, you we just know what he's capable of. And there's just a really high bar for a guy like Christian Javier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so while we're on the, the topic of starting pitching, I guess we can just kind of talk about the rotation in general. Um, you know, Javier's, you know, had some hiccups, but overall he hasn't been awful. Um, but I, I would say right now, the one guy that is, I think we, you know, would be most concerned about in the rotation would be Jose Arquiti, um, who just hasn't really been good this year. Um, he's been always a really solid, uh, you know, I feel like over the last several years and we're still kind of waiting for him to find his form right now. Uh, we're, you know, mul- numerous starts into the season and it's just not happening for him. Yeah. Arquiti has always been just an extremely dependable guy. He's never been electric. He's never been like lights out, but he's always been able to eat innings and just give you, you know, it, when Jose Arquiti goes out on the mound, I think in, in years past for, for many years now, we've kind of expected, you know, he'll give up maybe three or four runs, but usually not going to do any more damage than that against Jose Arquiti. He's going to give you a solid out. He's going to give you six innings and maybe three mm-hmm. or four runs. And so your, your offense was expected to come out and perform when, when Arquiti pitched, but, yeah, he just doesn't have it right now. And it's yeah. it's a little bit dicey for a guy like him because with what Forrest Whitley is finally doing in AAA, uh, Urquidy's position in this rotation is not secure, I would say. Well, and, we're, and Lance McCullers is supposed to be coming back at some point too. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we'll talk about Hunter Brown in a second, but there's no way they can put Hunter Hunter Brown back in the bullpen. Like, if they do, then Astros fans should just, you know, start a revolt or something like that. Uh, That that would be, you know, ridiculous. But yeah, like, so listen to some of here's some of Urquidy's numbers. Like, so he's got five starts. He's only pitched 22 and a third innings. So he's averaging just over four innings per start, which is not good. His whip is 1.75. Um, that's really bad. Uh, that's, that's a very high whip. His strikeout numbers are by far the lowest, uh, you know, case, um, per nine right now among the starting rotation. Um, just, you know, he's giving up 30 hits, uh, in 22 and a third innings. So just, just not good. Um, I don't really know what's going on, uh, whether Kitty. But yeah, he's going to have to turn it around or else, you know, he's not going to be able to stick in the rotation. I mean, it is still early on in the season and we saw 
you know, Luis kind of have a couple of rocky starts there in the beginning and he's really turned it back on, which has been encouraging the last couple of starts, but yeah, I I'm the biggest Luis Garcia fan on earth. I love Luis Garcia and I'm always rooting for the guy. Uh, so to see him turn into the guy that I know he can be has been really exciting. Uh, mm. I feel like our, you know, our, he leads the, he leads our rotation in K's per nine right now. Luis Garcia, 10.3. He's been unhittable these past few starts. Guys cannot touch him. Um, yeah, I love seeing him fired up like that. And, and I think the reason I like Luis so much is how positive of an attitude the guy has. Like he had those rough starts and I watched some of the post game interviews and he was kind of smiling and he was even saying like, I don't know. I don't feel like I pitched that bad. Like just a couple mechanical things we'll figure it out. And then he, he did. Yeah. He went out and fixed it, and it's really cool to see a guy do that. Um, our rotation feels really like it's doing basically what our our offense is doing as well, except for Jordan and Tucker. It's it's the guys that you wouldn't expect to be producing that are producing. Like our, our four and five starters mm-hmm. right now, Luis Garcia and Hunter Brown, are outperforming our aces, and same with our offense. Our you know yeah. eight eight nine hole hitters, except for Maldi, are outperforming oh, seven eight hitters yeah, seven, nine eight. hole yeah nine uh, hole not so much Corey Jokes's our Mauricio Dubon's uh I do yeah. feel like the Dubon train is after that that hitting streak snapped I I wonder if Mauricio Dubon is coming back down to earth <laughs> yeah well we'll talk about that in a second but yeah I mean look I I I you know, I do think Mauricio Dubon probably deserves some apologies, but I also am like, let's wait and see, guys. Like, let's cool the Jets. Like, we're like, you know, uh, there was just all this stuff on the internet. You know, like I'm not on Twitter, but I, you know, I've heard like people on Twitter apologizing to Mauricio Dubon. I'm like, well, let's see what he does over a full season because this we've seen this before. Like, guys get off to really hot starts, like inexplicably hot starts like one guy that comes to mind you remember that like dude oh who did he play for i think he was playing for the indians or the white Sox or something your mean mercedes like two years ago oh yeah he popped off oh yeah he was like hitting like 400 or something like that throughout the first two months of the season and then he just tanked and he like was out of the the league uh by the end of the year that same year he was like back in the minors and he's never made it back so it's like you know Let's slow our jets, guys. Cool our jets here, and let's just wait and see. Either Mauricio Dubon is this guy uh, that we've always known him to be for the past couple seasons, which is you know a, a bench a bench player at best, or he is uh, Mauricio Dumaggio. He is uh, Mauricio Dubon's <laughs> Mauricio uh, Dumaggio. Wow, uh, he is one of those guys. I. I would put my money on on the former, but uh, I would too. I would put my money on what we've seen him be throughout his his career is probably more likely. And I mean, look, I hope he has, you know, better year. Maybe maybe this year will be his best year yet, and he'll be a better version of what he's always been. But I think at the end of the day, you know, he's a utility player. That's what he is, and he's off to a hard start, which is awesome because it's a good time to do it because you know Altuve's been out of the lineup, and so. Uh, I'm grateful that he's been able to give it, give some quality at bats and, um, yeah. you know, fill in. If, if he falls off a cliff again, after Altuve shows up, I will still tip my cap to Mauricio Dubon for playing sure. a key role in keeping us above 500 while we didn't have Altuve in the lineup. Like way to step up when we needed you the most, man. Like that's, that's respectable it, with him and with jokes and 
you know, you've got you've got all this sort of like unpredictable outfield depth in the organization right now with some of these guys that are just outplaying their expectations, mm-hmm. which by the way, I'm going to go ahead and use this as an opportunity to say, I told you so, because I told you at the beginning of the season, we have outfield depth and you said no. And I mentioned drew Gilbert and you said, slow your roll. And drew Gilbert is absolutely tearing the cover off the ball in high a in high a. Yeah, but he's going to be, that's in not, depth. that's not depth for the major league club. He could be in trouble that, by the end of the year. I mean, that would be an incredibly fast rise, number one, and he's not going to help the major league club this year. I'm just saying, with all but this, that's not depth. You did, you just, you just tried to say, and I told you so, and you didn't actually tell me that, so. That was a sidebar conversation. All right, I'm going to get back to my main point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, my main point is with Michael Brantley coming back with Altuve coming back and some of these, you know, voids being filled again uh, here in the next few weeks and maybe about a, looks like maybe a month or so for Altuve. Um, I kind of want to see Dana Brown explore the trade market with some of these guys while they're playing their best and their trade value is its highest. Um, I like the idea of exploring trades with maybe like a Jake Myers that's hitting a little bit hotter than he's used to hitting. Um, and seeing what we could get in return for a guy like Jake Myers or even exploring. I, I highly doubt Dusty Baker would ever let Mauricio Dubon go, but exploring trades with some of these guys that are outplaying their usual potential. Uh, it'd be a good time to trade some of these guys, especially with the amount of depth that we have in this outfield position, you know, especially the corner outfield and center field. Uh, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what we could do with all that. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I I think that we don't have as much depth as maybe you're, you would think, you know, um, I kind of want to see guys like Jolks do this for a longer period of time. Like, look, I, I think it's great, you know, that he's off to a good start, but uh, he's got a 385 average on uh, batting average on balls in play, which is just unrealistically high to sustain uh, you know, his batting average overall right now is 297, 735 OPS, which is fine. Like that's, that's decent for the seven hole, you know, like if you can get 735 OPS out of your seven hole, great, you know, and he's had some timely hits as well, but I think that 385 batting average of ball balls in play, that's going to come down in that 297 batting average is going to come down. And so, you know, I still think I still look at jokes as like a bench bat at the end of the day. Um, you know, getting, you know, getting McCormick back will be good. We really don't know. We're going to got to get out of Jake Myers. Like, I don't think he's very dependable. Uh, you know, Brantley is who knows, you know, we haven't had Brantley in two years and we'll talk about this in a second, but they're even like going to give him reps at first base. So, um, I, I would love to see us add some depth, um, honestly, uh, both infield and outfield depth, um before the trade deadline i just think this team's gonna need it um for the postseason this year uh to really be able to make it run because right now i mean you know you looked at the lineup card yesterday and you've got and i know we've got injuries so that explains part of it but still like even with injuries you've got a you have a ryland bannon um never heard of ryland bannon before uh you have a cesar salazar i think uh, is his name, uh, the the catcher who I'd never heard of before this year until he made the team. 
uh, David Hensley, who has like got struck out in like over a third of his at bats uh, so far this season. Uh, so yeah, just not good, not good at all. So um, it's it's hard to watch things. I, I was really rooting for Hensley, especially because of how disciplined of a hitter he looked like he was going to be for a while, and and I guess they just figured out how to start pitching to him, and uh, once they figures figured out how to do that. He just can't keep up. He he hasn't seemed to be able to adjust to the big league pitching once they figured him out. No, and he probably needs to go back down to AAA so that he's got some time to you know work on some things and get more consistent at bats. But the problem is, is like, have you seen the AAA roster? Like, who are you going to send up? That's the problem. You know, you could say, okay, well, you know, once you know Brantley comes back, then Hensley could go down. But you know, you've got like Ryland Bannon needs to go back to triple a and um, you know uh, Cesar Salazar is probably not going to stay on this roster either. I mean, it seems kind of like a wasted, like he never gets used um, and Dusty never takes Maldi out of the lineup anyways, which I thought was the point so that you could, you know, pinch hit, you know, Yiner or play Yiner, you know, more often. And it seems like that never happens. So I don't know. I just, I don't I don't see the point in having Cesar Salazar. Uh, it's kind of a wasted bench piece. Well, case in point, the the game that Bridget and I were at last Sunday in, in Atlanta. We were losing and Maldonado was a liability the whole game, uh defensively and offensively. And then finally we'll talk Dusty pinch hit. Uh he threw Jolks in there and Jolks came up with the clutch. Uh I think it was a two run double, and that was the go ahead. Uh, piece right there was just jokes coming in and, and performing. Um, and who and who took over at catcher after that? I think they threw in Yiner after that. Yeah. Uh, so Salazar didn't even get in the game. Yeah, so it, I saw some people joking around on Twitter. It's like it's great that we have three catchers, so one of them can play. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, it's just I I don't know why we're carrying three catchers on this squad right now when when Maldonado's unless Hunter Brown is pitching, it's always Maldonado. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, my my. My point is that we've got to add, we have to add depth from the outside, man. Like the AAA roster is an abomination right now. The lineup at least is, is just not good. Their team's not good. Um, there's, you know, Pedro Leone is not really doing anything that would encourage you to want to call him up. Um, and then, you know, I, yeah. The, who else are you going to, who else are you going to call up from that roster? Like there's really nobody that would be of, you know, upgrade over a David Hensley uh, right now. So, well, I I think as far as the depth goes, I wouldn't be surprised if all of this is shaping up to be something along the lines of it, you look at our starting pitching, especially with Forrest Whitley, like looking like he started to figure things out and maybe being Forrest Whitley like we've always kind of hoped he would be. Uh, it's obviously too soon to say for sure, but he's looking really good in AAA. Mm-hmm. Um, with Forrest Whitley and Lance McCullers both doing their thing, all of a sudden, if Jose Urquidy can start to pitch at least reasonably well, a guy like Urquidy finally does become a really valuable trade piece. And I think between Nez and Corey Lee, I think this entire first half of the season is probably an audition to figure out which of those two guys is going to be the catcher of the future and which of those two guys is going to be a trade piece for something at the deadline this year. I, I wouldn't be shocked if one of those guys, Andrew Urquidy, uh, and one of these outfielders is gone at the deadline for an impact bat or something like that. Um, I, I think that's where this is all headed. And I think that's why 
they wanted Yiner in the majors because they they knew he wasn't going to get consistent play time up there, but they wanted him to get some experience at the big league level like Corey Lee got last year. And they wanted Corey Lee to keep getting consistent at-bats at the AAA level because they want to keep developing him. He's looked like a stud defensively. Uh, Yiner is looking like he's figuring out how to call games uh, pretty well, like the success of Hunter Brown. And he's coming up with some hits here and there. He's not really pieced it together offensively quite yet, but I think with some more consistency, he probably could. So, yeah, I mean, like he plays, he starts once every five days right now. So like give the guy some some opportunity to play, right? I think he should be DHing uh, as often as possible, even when he's not catching, just to get those ABs. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, let's go more into depth on the catcher position because this is something that it's, it's getting to the point where I, I feel like they can't keep ignoring it. And yet, Dusty might do exactly that. He might just keep ignoring it because I, I think like Dusty's kind of at a, I don't know what the relationship dynamics are like between him and Dana Brown, but I, if, if I had to guess, I'm pretty sure Dusty's probably like earned a status now where like he, he controls the roster ultimately. And like, and he could play who he wants and like Dana Brown can give his opinion, but Dusty's going to do like Dusty's going to Dusty would say like, look, you you do your job, I'll do mine. I'm gonna decide who starts and who gets how much playing time. And I don't I'm not gonna take dictates from on high. Like I just don't think I don't envision a guy like Dusty like allowing management to tell him how much to play certain people. Um, because he definitely has not done things according to conventional wisdom throughout his time here. And I mean, you do have to like that's you know, kind of step back and go, well, you know, and the man has had success and he's got a ring, and so you know, we can't at the end of the day. You know, I'm not a, a major league manager, but man, when you look at what Maldonado is doing right now, I just, for the life of me, I don't see how they can continue to run him out there every day. Um, right now, Martin Maldonado, as of 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoon, April the 30th, has a 131 batting average. His OPS is 429. His that's 429. Um that is atrocious. Uh, it's like, you know, it's just awful. He has a, a negative OPS plus, which is just yeah. 78% worse than average. Yeah. <laughs> uh, negative 0.2 war. So, oh, you know, he's losing games right now. And and then you people say, well, he's not in there for his offense. He's in there for his defense. Well, he has the sixth worst catch framing percentage, according to Baseball Savant. He's one of the worst catch framers so far, or pitch framers so far in the entire major leagues this year. Um, he also uh, led the league last year in passed balls, and he leads the league this year so far in passed balls. Um, he is, as far as throwing runners out, you know, he's got a reputation for having a cannon arm and stuff and he has in the past, but he's basically average right now in, uh, you know, runners caught stealing. So he's not offering any, you know, upside as far as that goes, it's just kind of run of the mill. So there's, there's nothing about Maldonado that you can actually point to that you know can say like he's he's bringing you some advantage other than the just the intangible things that people seem to talk about yeah, yeah i mean and you and i were even texted about it yesterday in, in this that game two against philadelphia uh you know he had that 
what would have been probably an error, uh, maybe a base hit there in, in the infield. And I think you could have randomly selected any base runner in the league and they would have beat that out except for him. Like, right. So he's Nelson also Cruz slow would have made that, uh, anybody right. could have made that other than Maldonado. Like it's like, is there anything he can bring? Like maybe if he was like really fast, that would help, but he's the slowest player in the majors also. It's uh, he really he was, and I've been a Maldi defender throughout the years. I I really have. Like I was perfectly okay for the last several seasons with having an offensive liability of a catcher if he could really lead a pitching staff, and that could be a strength of ours. And you know the guys had faith in him, and like that was all I understood that, and I was fine with it. And he did have that cannon arm. He did a few seasons back where yeah. you know nobody was ever going to steal on Maldi. Right. It's just not the case anymore. He just doesn't no. have even those things that he had that were strengths. Those are gone. Father time is undefeated. Um, I'm sure he does bring a lot in the clubhouse. It seems like the guys love him, and I'm not surprised by that. He's a great leader. He should be a coach. He shouldn't be playing. We'll let him be the backup catcher. Yeah. Let him catch, you know, once or you know, once or twice a week, and he can stay in the clubhouse. But the dude should not be playing every day. He just shouldn't. And here's you know, the deal, like. Uh, you know, obviously we don't know the relational dynamics and I'm sure, you know, he's really helpful to the pitchers out there, but Yiner has been calling good games for Hunter Brown. Like, you know, I mean, I, you know, I think we should attribute most of that success obviously to Hunter Brown, but uh, obviously Yiner's doing something right. Right. So like he's demonstrating that he has the ability to go out there and help call a game and, um, you know, see success with his battery mate on the mound. So, like, why not, you know, have Yiner start going out there and catching for some of the other starting pitchers and see how he does? Like, I just, I guess, like, the, the, um, I don't see how, you know, it's hard to measure like the percentage or, or, or whatever of value that Maldi brings, you know, like is Maldi really that much more valuable than Diaz would be in terms of just his presence in the game, working with the pitcher? Like, is he really that much more valuable than Diaz to where you can justify having an absolute zero at the plate, having below average pitch framing, below average blocking of, of balls in the dirt. Like, like, does that really outweigh all of that? Like it's so bad. So I would like to just find, you know, a solution where we do a three-way pitch calm and Maldi's calling the games from the dugout while Yiner catches them. And everybody's just on the same page and Maldi can bring all of his intangibles from about, 20 feet over in the dugout and like yeah. it's like if it's the intangibles be involved you know let him review film in between innings with the pitchers let him mentor the guys but like he doesn't need to be on the field anymore yiner's a better catcher because he's younger he just has a younger body and he has more offensive upside so he needs to be getting those ab's uh because like i said it's it's either going to be him or Corey lee that's the catcher of the future on this team and we need to figure out what yiner can be at the big league level what's frustrating is that we got rid of we 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 let a really great defensive catcher who's actually a decent hitter just walk in the offseason that we actually had it on our baseball team in Christian Vasquez because you know of basically because Dusty's love for Maldi and it's like we could have you know I don't know that was that and was frustrating because Vasquez is really Vasquez is still good at what the things that Maldi used to be good at and he's a better contact hitter. 
than Maldi ever was. Ever. Yeah. And, and Vasquez, I think, is only 32 years old. So he's still got several yeah, years probably that he could still yeah. play at a high level. Uh, yeah. He is it, getting like 10 million a year, though, which is pretty rich. Like, I understand they didn't want to sign him to be the backup, but I, I would have signed Vasquez to be my starting catcher. Like, that's what he should have been. Well, let me say this, and this might be a hot take, and maybe I'll be eating my words in a couple of months. But I would rather be paying Christian Vasquez ten million right now than Jose Abreu twenty plus million. Um, I mean, as of right now, it's hard to argue with it because speaking of hoopy offensive performances, we can just go ahead and use that as a segue to Jose Abreu. Yikes! So here's here's a scary stat: um, Maldonado has a negative point two WAR, but Jose Abreu has a negative point five WAR. So at this rate, he's on pace to lose the Astros about three games this year. There'll be three games worse than they would have been had they just had some schmuck average Joe at first base. Like, honestly, we would, uh, if we were to resign Yuli for like, you know, 1.5 million, we'd probably be three games better on average right now uh, uh, to this point. He's, uh, he's playing above average right now. Yuli's having a nice start to his season. And yeah, he's old. He's not playing every day, but still, yeah, he's hitting over 300 for Miami. And meanwhile, Jose Abreu is slapping singles, a single every other game. Uh, and like the single he got like was like a bloop, you know, got jammed and popped it into shallow right field over the first baseman's head. Um, yeah. That's the I'm kind of hits he's getting. If we're going to get advanced enough with our statistics eventually that we can actually attribute some of this negative war to dusty baker's lineup decisions though because like we were talking about because i was trying to figure out i was like you know he is not hitting well but no. why would he have a negative 0.5 war already that seems a little extreme and then i thought about it and it's got to be because of all the missed rbi opportunities the, mm -hmm. the plays that he's grounded into when we've had a couple guys on base things like that and part of the reason that's happening is that dusty keeps putting him in the four hole and i, I was looking at today he is lineup. in the six hole today oh they must have changed the lineup. I looked at the lineup. They had Jeremy Pena in the one, and they had uh, they had him back in the four, which again no. doesn't make any sense. I don't know why you would put Jeremy Pena not in the two spot. It everything all oh, they, wait they do up. yeah what he's in the four yeah. hole. Pena Bregman Alvarez. It's a terrible lineup. Oh, it's because Dubon is getting a rest today. I guess. Oh, well, how about this burgers row there for the. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Six through nine is Hensley, Myers, Bannon, and Maldonado. Yeah. <laughs> like, should we just forfeit? <laughs> watch watch us score like 27 runs today now or something like that. But uh, like that's wow. That's horrific. That, that's a bad lineup. There's uh there's no excuse for putting Pena in the one hole when it's just obvious that he's not a leadoff hitter and he does exceedingly well in the two hole. And that's just abundantly clear at this point. And there's well, who are you going to put in the no one excuse. hole? Not Pena. I would put Brett Bannon or I would put Pena in the one hole at this point. Ryland Bannon in the one hole. Might as well. It's at least it's a new idea. You know, what position does he play? When is he? I think it's just corner outfield utility. I'm pretty sure. Or is he like a, a infielder? He's, he's, he's playing in the infield today. He's it looks like he's starting at second base today. Is Hensley DHing? He is, yeah. Hensley's DHing. That's an effective use of a lineup spot for sure. 
Yeah. Well, we just need to get guys back from injury because right now this is kind of sad to look at, honestly. Yeah. I, I miss Chaz McCormick a lot. Um, and it was, it was so, so Chandler Rome tweeted this out. He said, speak, this is going on to our conversation about Maldi. Uh, Dana Brown said uh, a couple weeks ago that Yiner Diaz will get 300 or more at bats this season. And through the team's first 27 games, he has 28 at bats. Yikes. So apparently Dana Brown and Dusty Baker ain't on the same page. <laughs> Trouble in paradise, man. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if the negotiations to secure Dana Brown's job had something to do with, you know, after this season, you get to pick your next manager. I'm I'm sure he's just sort of holding out for that. He probably gets his own personal manager selection next time around. I wonder if, yeah, like, uh, yeah, you just, it'd be so fascinating to know what the actual relationship dynamics are there. Like, is Dana Brown, like, sitting in his office going, that doggone dusty like you know or something like that like i don't know you just kind of want to know <laughs> like maybe he doesn't even know the lineups until we do and he gets the notification on his mlb he like looks he's like he oh. looks at the lineup card you gotta be kidding me <laughs> moldy again yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know he might be so anyways well here's to hoping that jose oh, oh man and we got rikidi on the mound <laughs> oh. lord help us we're gonna need some help today we got struggling or kitty and we've got the worst lineup i think you could roll out there right now so that is the most on-brand houston thing though to uh win the world series against a team and then promptly get swept by them the next time you see them that is a very we we, you know we actually played them at the beginning of the year remember did we open the season against them yeah yeah i missed that somehow thanks i don't think we did did we not i think we played the beginning of last season we started our season against them last year. Oh, yeah. Have we not played them yet this year? Oh, this is it. Huh. I could have sworn we played them, but yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. I'm My life is busy, man. Sometimes things just run together, so I just I can't keep up with these things anymore. So, um, yeah, well, you're right. Yeah, it would be definitely an Astros thing to do. But you know what the Astros always you know what the Astros thing also is? When it comes postseason time, that's winning time, baby. That's when we win. So go ahead and go ahead, Jake Cave, and thump your chest on second base. But uh, we'll see what happens come playoff time. Score runs after the seventh inning, and we only look like the Astros for real in September and October. That's yeah, how we do it. It's pretty right. So, but okay. So just to kind of circle back with the Jose Abreu thing. So, um, I guess. First of all, do you think he's going to turn it around? I don't think he's going to be this bad. I I will say the second that we sign Jose. Will he hit a home run this year? I sure hope so, man. Under over one home run. <laughs> I sure hope so, dude. Who will hit more home runs, Mauricio Dubon or like, Jose Abreu? You're asking that question, and, and I want to laugh at it like it's a joke, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about it once or twice like will he hit a home run this year like genuinely uh i'm a little worried man i and the reason i'm worried and a lot of guys brought this up when we signed him it was an interesting signing to me and i wasn't necessarily against it but it's a lot of money for a guy that is older and you know his peripherals show that his barrel rate and just his general ability to drive the ball has been steadily declining um 
And like, you know, you can point the finger at a guy like Yuli Gurriel, who was older than Abreu is now by a couple of years and had these, you know, this great season where he won the batting title and, and all that. But Yuli Gurriel is kind of a, an anomaly to be playing that well uh, at that age. Abreu is is ripe and we signed him for a three-year period pretty much right when guys tend to fall off a cliff. Uh, and I thought that was pretty interesting to give a guy 20 plus million dollars a year for three seasons where it's very likely statistically that he's going to fall off a cliff. Um, and this, made that signing before Dana Brown was hard, right? That was a, a Jeff Bagwell special from what I've heard. Probably going to end up being proof that Jeff Bagwell should not be a general manager in the majors. Like, so look, but that and the Montero signing were both like so bad, man. It's it was it's kind of like like i feel like what happened is it's like what happens when the parents go out of town for the first time and leave the 15 year old home to quote unquote watch the house and tell them like don't have any parties don't do anything stupid and what is the what does the 15 year old do they have a party They do something stupid and they trash the house. And I feel like Jeff Bagwell and Jim Crane, you know, like the adults left the house and they threw a party and now there's a big mess and it's a $58 million contract for Abreu and a a reliever that costs $11 million a year who terrifies me every time he comes into the game. And now we've got some cleaning up to do. It's not the end of the world, but let's make sure we don't do that again. Yeah, we've got our our analytics dad back in the house, uh, Dana Barber. Yeah, <laughs> clean it up. But I, I'm sure he is constantly just like, man, like I I'm sure he cannot wait to have some more people in house that he's hired himself and to kind mm-hmm. of be able to run things the way he wants to run them. And, and that's why I'm not going to hold Dana Brown overly accountable for whatever happens this season. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, the first real test of, of what we'll kind of see from him will be what he does at the deadline. And yeah. uh, I am really curious to see what he does then. But, yeah, it's tough, man. They, those were those were two like, iffy signings, for sure. Iffy for sure. signings. And, like, you're committing, you know, 58, 34, like $90 million to these two guys. Why not just commit – why not take that money and put it towards committing 250 towards Kyle Tucker? and sign an actually good player long-term. You know what I mean? Like, you know what you're getting with Kyle Tucker. Um, He's going to be good for you for a long time. And so invest those resources into a known commodity. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit more expensive, but I'd rather do that. I'd rather, you know, put 250 on Kyle Tucker than 90 million on Rafael Montero and Jose Abreu. Um, Just, you know, when you could have re-signed Yuli for cheap and there's relievers out there all over the place that you can, you know, relievers are so quirky and like one year they can have a great year and then the next year they fall apart. Like, you know, it just like even like Josh Hader, like, you know, fell apart randomly last year and was terrible for like half of a seat. You know, it's just kind of random how that stuff works. So, yeah. Yeah, I I think it's possible that we don't see Jose Abreu play the entirety of this three-year contract. Uh, oh yeah absolutely possible i think i think it's more than possible yeah which is unfortunate and that would be one of the first real but how are you gonna bad... get... what are you gonna do with them though it's it's you dfa and you eat the money like that's just 
teams do it all the time. You just saw it happen with Madison Bumgarner in the in the Diamondbacks. It's just in Houston, we've had some smart people at the helm for so long. It's been a long time since like Carlos Lee that we've had like a and kind of albatross contract in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess luckily it's only three years, so it's not like that bad. But you know, the other issue with this Jose Brady thing is you know we signed him because. Last year, we we kind of had a big hole at first base offensively. And, you know, you don't want a big hole at first base and a catcher. Um, and, man, like right now, like we've got a big hole at first base again. And we don't really have any other options. Like I, I, I saw a report that they're, you know, Dusty said they're having Michael Brantley take reps at first base now, which... I mean, I don't know if that's actually realistic, but that's how desperate they are because there's, again, there's nothing in the minors. Like, go look at the roster. There's no options there. There's nothing on the major league roster. David Hensley has been terrible this year. Um, He probably needs to go back to AAA so he can work on some things. Like, they're just like, if Abreu keeps hitting like this, they're going to have to add something if they want to be, if they want to make a serious run in another World Series. Like, they can't just, you know, we don't have any depth. So, and I guess, you know, to give the benefit of the doubt to Dusty, there's probably some discussions about like, okay, so if we made a mistake and Jose Abreu really isn't the guy that he used to be anymore, and we find that out by the deadline, maybe we have to make some moves to bring in somebody from the outside. Um, And maybe Dusty is just like, his philosophy is I'm going to give him as many chances as possible until the deadline. And if the deadline comes, then we're going to have to do something. And uh, it's probably not an easy decision to make as a manager, but it seems like, I guess, Dusty's proclivity is to, is to give guys as many chances as he can. And then some, and then see if they can figure it out. And, and I guess he's seen success with that method with guys like Jake Myers and Mauricio Dubon kind of figuring it out here and there. And I don't know. I'm rooting for Abreu. I obviously don't want the signing to be a bust, but it doesn't sure. look yeah, I'm rooting for him too. But yeah, still early in the season, lots to figure out. But um, yeah, there's a lot of guys kind of underperforming, uh, not performing up to ex- expectations. Once we get everybody back and healthy, uh, I think that'll obviously be you know a big deal. Hopefully, Chaz is going to be coming back really soon here. Um, I think I heard that he's starting to like take some swings. Um, you know, Altuve may be back by the end of May, um, which would be great, obviously. Um, and then Brantley is, you know, already started hitting AAA. So I would expect we might see Brantley in the next two weeks or something, the big league club. So, you know, we'll get some reinforcements back and, you know, hopefully that'll lengthen the lineup a little bit. Uh, cause right now we just, you know, shorten lineup. Um, and yeah, it's just when you've got a six through nine of, you know, what we've got today, Hensley and Myers and Bannon and Maldonado. Um, it's just not and and like it's a nationally televised game on ESPN too. It's almost kind of embarrassing. But oh if we well. can keep playing above five hundred with with what we're running out there every day right now, that says a lot about this organization, though. I will say. Yeah. We've been a little bit negative, but at the end yeah. of the day, it's like we're we're above five hundred and we're running out a half triple A team right now. Like it's just Yeah, for sure. Once we yeah, and that's why we say it's a long season and like usually, you know, I feel like that some of the best teams, you know, all you know, don't really ever start out like smoking hot. They're just steady 
over the course of the year. You see that every year. And usually every year you see a team that starts off really hot. Like, I mean, I think this year's team's going to be the pirates, right? Like, I, and I'm, I'm actually happy for the pirates. I think it's cool. I, I hope that their fans are, I hope they make the playoffs this year. I think the awesome, cause they have a young team, a young roster, just some cool players. And I'd love to just see them like make the playoffs. 15 Astros. It's kind of fun yeah. to watch. Like, but but if you had to make me bet right now, like who do I think is going to have a better record at the end of the year, the Pirates or the Cardinals, even though the Cardinals are off to a terrible start, I'm putting my money on the Cardinals. The Cardinals just have a way better roster and teams like the Pirates start hot all the time. And then they kind of, you know, fade away uh, later in the year. So, you know, that's, it's just such a long season. And I, I think overall the Astros are fine, you know, and, like you said, with so many players out with injury, it's kind of encouraging that we're over 500 at this point. Yeah. I, and a peripheral discussion here too, for the Astros, you know, talk about some divisional news. Um, both of our kind of, I guess, biggest divisional threats lost ace pitchers. Um, oh, did you hear the shocking news that Jacob DeGrom is on the IL? I was shocked when I heard that. I, I heard for the guy. I don't know if you saw the video of him getting taken out of the game. It looks like it might be something kind of serious because he looked he looked really upset. Um, so I I feel bad for the guy. He seems like a good dude. And it's a forearm thing, which yeah. can sometimes be, you know, it's, elbow issues. So as a fan of the game, it's hard to watch anybody that's that great just never be able to play, even if they're in. Yeah. The game, but it'd be fun to watch him play a whole season. You know, uh, he could you know, put up, you know, Cy Young numbers pretty easily. But the fact that he's on the Rangers, you know, I'm like, it's not the worst thing in the world. That it's got to happen, you know, at least he's on the Rangers. Yeah, sorry, Rangers. With, uh, with Robbie Ray and the Mariners, that's a huge, huge blow to their rotation. It's a huge blow to the Houston Astros because every time Robbie Ray pitches, when he plays us, we destroy him. Jordan Alvarez is his father. I will tell you what, I was so sad that Jordan wasn't available in game one to come up late in the game against Alvarado and turn the game upside down. I was really looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, hey, man, we should probably get this thing wrapped up. We're hip up against uh, our time limit here, 45 minutes. want to uh, thank our listeners for tuning in to episode two. Appreciate you guys being patient and waiting for the second episode to drop. A uh, um, couple of ways we would ask you to help us. First, please hit the subscribe button uh, if you haven't already so that when a new episode does drop, uh, you'll know it and even more helpful since we have no idea when the next episode is going to drop, uh, hopefully in the two, next two to three weeks here. We're going to try to do it every two weeks, but it may be more like three or four. It's going to be the surprise Astros podcast. That's, that's right. Um, I also make sure you leave a review if you like the podcast, if you find it interesting, uh, if enough people review it and like listening to it, maybe that'll motivate us to do it more often and, uh, share it with a fellow Astros fan as well. Um, so it's one of the best ways you can get the word out is just share this podcast with other people who you think might enjoy listening to, to Astros fans talk about the Houston Astros. Yeah, go ahead and drop a comment. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, I have an idea and I want to get some fan response on this. Um, I don't know if you guys have, have looked at the Believe in Astros podcast with uh, with Jeff Blum, but they're trying to sell ad slots pretty hard right now. And I was thinking about advertising our podcast on their podcast. So go ahead and drop a, a comment if you think I should spend some money on that and advertise my Astros pod, their Astros podcast. Would they? Is that not like? Would they let you do that? We're gonna find out. I'm gonna send them an email, and you're gonna spend personal money on this. I might. Why? Because I think it'd be funny. <laughs> 
all right, man, if that's what you want to do, <laughs> I'm not going to stand in your way. Well, anyways, thanks guys for tuning in and listening today. Hope you guys have a great week and let's go Strohs.